Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Joel Anderson, a research lecturer in philosophy at Utrecht in the Netherlands. Did I say that uh, city name right? You got it exactly right. So it's Utrecht University? Got... Yep, yep, in Utrecht uh, in the Netherlands. But given that your last name is Terpstra, um, <laughs> it should be in the blood. It should be. It should be, but I'm English, Irish, Dutch, German, and Native American, and can't do much with any of them. Yeah. Um, so, among other things, we're going to talk about a really nerdy subject that a lot of non-nerds are asking about right now, and that's tagging and taxonomies as they relate to files, documents, images, emails, notes, and pretty much anything on your computer. Uh, but first, uh, I have a couple questions about the Netherlands. Sure. Okay. So... What what people think of when they think of Amsterdam is drugs and hookers, and yep. uh, and what goes in Amsterdam is actually national policy, right? Yeah, I mean it's basically um, uh, it's what they've determined, and this happens in a lot of in a lot of contexts. Is um, you're going to actually do a much better job of ensuring safety and managing the really difficult cases if you're not trying to have uh, zero tolerance and crackdown on everything, but you sort of manage the situation. Um, so it's uh, marijuana, it's legal to have a certain amount, a very small amount, but it's actually strictly illegal to sell it and to possess large amounts of it, which okay. does create a bit of a, a tricky compromise. They call it gedogenbeleid, which is kind of you know a policy of tolerating, taking things a little bit loosely with a focus on you know, safety in, in, in general. So there was this, there was this interesting case. There was some, um, I forget which drug it was. There was, uh, I think it was ecstasy. Um, there was some bad ecstasy on the street in, uh, in Amsterdam and the city government put up these huge signs, like these, you know, these led traffic signs that they were putting up announcing. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so that's the focus. The focus is on the focus is on on safety and educating people about dangers. See, I like uh, if I'm not mistaken, their national policy in not so many words is basically to treat addiction as a medical issue and not as a crime. Like right. it's more common to send people to rehab than to jail for drugs, I mean. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, there, there, there are um, one of the things that happens whenever you you get into uh, uh, the sale of narcotics, because you know, the, especially the stuff aside from pot is uh, is certainly criminalized. Um, uh, partly because no, partly because it's a bad idea just to have lots of it available, and also because the surrounding countries are not going to tolerate um, it being a kind of haven for uh, un, unrestricted uh, drug policy in general. But um, you know when they when they uh, when they're when they're educating people about it when they're focusing on uh, on on safety, um, then you can uh, keep it a little bit more under under control. But as I was saying, you know there are problems, right? So whenever you've got um, narcotics like that um, and people making money off it, you know there's you know there's gang warfare and so on. We get sure. you know it's on a much smaller scale, but um, yeah, I assume it so would alleviate some of the. Making it legal, even in small amounts, is going to take a lot of people that would be buying black market and take them out of danger and take them out of that kind of world. Nancy Reagan should have been Dutch. That would have been so much better. (laughs) Yeah, we could have also had the astrology lessons for her. That would have been been very interesting. I have no idea Um, what you're talking about. 
Oh, she was Nancy Reagan was um, was counseling the president, giving him all kinds of advice on the basis of astrological charts. Oh my God, I, I yeah, didn't know fun that. Stuff. I yeah. knew he was a little like crazy, but hmm. I didn't realize she was feeding him that. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't. Yeah, who knows? Who knows whether it was better information than the other stuff he was getting? But you know, I mean, <laughs> the 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 Netherlands, the Netherlands is I mean, one of the things um, that I really like. I've been here for about eleven years now. Um, one of the things I really like about the Netherlands is it's very pragmatic. Right. So uh, instead of being, you know, really rigid about things, um, you know, it's focused on, okay, what's the best way that we can uh, sort of make this work? And partly that's got to be the case because it's an extremely dense, densely populated country with huge green spaces. I mean, the thing that I love about the Netherlands is the way in which um, they've kind of put real thought into organizing the physical space, right? So instead of strip malls, I remember when I used to live in St. Louis, I would have to drive for like an hour to get someplace where I could actually go for a bike ride in the countryside because it's all sort of cul-de-sac after cul-de-sac, all these uh, suburbs. Right. Here, I can be, I can go for, I mean, it's just one of the most densely parts of the most densely populated countries in the world. And I can be out on a bike ride um, in going through fields on bike paths with no stoplights. And if there are stoplights, they have the sensors that feel when the bicycle's coming and the lights change um, in like five minutes. Wow. So, and it's just a matter of kind of realizing that because we're all sort of on top of each other and there's this high density, we've really got to put a lot of thought into making it work. And, you know, sometimes that leads to frictions. And, um, you know, when when Dutch people go on um, on vacation, they're keen to go to huge open spaces to get that, to get that contrast. But um, it really does force people to find ways to make it work uh, together. And I... Um, I think that makes for a much higher quality of life. It's one of the things I really like about being here. I want to move there. You're welcome. I mean, people have I would made fit the, right uh, in. I have the right David name. David Allen. You know, David. David Allen just moved to Amsterdam. Did he? I'm talking to him yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. He's yeah. a planned, so, systematic guest. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, um, so wow. so I'm John the Baptist or something. Right? No. <laughs> Sandwich between Merlin and um, and David Allen. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking that I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But anyway, so no, no, the Netherlands is really. It's a. It's a really good place. It's a really good place to live. Yeah. You originally contacted me about tagging. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think. Um, yeah, because I was wondering whether or not there was uh, whether you had any sense of whether or not there was going to be a way to make tags work in iOS. I think we had right. a couple of exchanges about uh, about that. And your email uh, regarding this show or that led to this show was titled Tagging as Hard Work. Yeah. And and I that that uh, resonated with me immediately because that is the biggest um, that's the biggest impediment to people getting into a regular tagging system is it takes longer to think about what tags to apply than it does to just drop it into a hierarchical folder system sometimes. So yeah, or just yeah, or just dump it and think you're going to be able to find it. Right. And now this is a problem that you've you've played with and you've looked into, uh, and you, like me, are not entirely certain that you have 
a final system, final answers, right? right. Well, you're, are you still writing this book? I am. And, and the, I the want to thing, put you on the spot here. But... Yeah, no, I'm working on it. Uh, I, I'm, I'll admit to some procrastination, actually some serious procrastination. But every time I you know, sit you down... Know I do, you know, do I, re- I do research on procrastination? <laughs> we should die. Seriously. Um, Seriously. No. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of my areas of... Uh, do, you procrastinate uh, got... do you procrastinate on that research? Um, sometimes, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, procrastination is a tricky cur- thing. A lot of people uh, call too many things procrastination because, in fact, there's other things that come up that are more important, or that they, you know, they they update their intentions. Uh, as for they, me, it's as thing, they, things come up that are more interesting. Or right. I also suffer. I have bipolar disorder, and my downswings, I literally cannot be interested in anything. Like nothing seems worth doing. Can you can you see those coming? Can you anticipate God, that at no. all? I okay. it frustrates me to no end that I don't see them coming. I don't even realize when they're happening until it's too late to do anything about it. I'll just well, see. This is the I mean, right. Well, so this is the thing that this is the thing that fascinates me, and it's and it fascinates me about uh, procrastination. There's this um, research project I've got going uh, with Philips Corporation, um, looking at what I call bedtime procrastination. Um, uh, so, so the whole sleep thing is is involved. So bedtime procrastination, procrastination in general, and tagging. It's all in a certain sense about um, recognizing that at some point in the future. You're going to be in a you know in a worse off spot. You know maybe right. you're having uh, maybe you're having a bipolar episode. Maybe you're having you just don't feel like doing something, or maybe you're you're on your way to a meeting and you don't have the time to go and search for those files that you need for that meeting. And so all this is 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 a matter of preparation, right? If you can anticipate that there's going to be these times when you're going to need to be able to take advantage of some kind of pre-structuring of your of your environment, that is um, actually the first chapter of the book. It's the only chapter that hasn't changed every time I sit down. It, <laughs> it, it asks the reader to put themselves in a position where they haven't thought about a file for a year, right? And then they remember that they once had it. What right. what are you going to look for? How are you going to find it? And that's kind of what tagging, tagging like a folder structure, you, you may name with dates or you might name it with like a file type and collect file types together or maybe an event name. But right. if you don't remember the name of the folder, you're not going to remember the name of the file and Spotlight is not going to help you. Right. I mean, you know, all of this is... Um... All of this is very new because I mean, think about when when stuff goes digital, it's not all in front of you, right? My wife is a keen; she's also a philosopher, and she's a sort of keen proponent of horizontal filing, right? So she just has when she's working on a project, her her floor is covered with stacks. She needs to be able to see it. The more you go to digital stuff, right? We used to do that with everything, right? shoeboxes full of pictures, all your CDs or your albums, they were all visible. And so the right. task you didn't put shoeboxes in shoeboxes. Exactly. And 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 you could and you could physically see them. Right. And there's a sense in which folders still feel a bit a bit like that. You kind of you you can you can see them you can see where they all are, but tagging is more abstract. Um, and as a result, it needs to be it needs to be something you can trust, 
And it needs to be something that you put real thought into figuring out, okay, what am I, what would I, it's like trying to remember passwords. Like what password would I have made for this particular website or something? And much um, like passwords where 1Password is the answer or, or it's ill. Of course. Um, like I spend a lot of time figuring out how to solve the exact problems that you just listed. Because if you are on your own, uh, even yeah. things as simple as autocomplete, which helps a lot, right? In if you're in an OS 10 system that supports tagging, and you start to type a tag that you know you've used before, but you were to type it with a lowercase instead of an uppercase, or with a right. hyphen instead of an underscore, it becomes right. a different right. tag, and your files are not associated. Right. Um, right. As far as visibility, though, I've played a lot with smart folders. And I've built entire folders of smart folders that basically look to the naked eye, other than being purple, they look like a, a file system. But the flexibility yeah. is that one file, without being duplicated or linked or anything, can exist in multiple places at once. Exactly. I mean, and you can do that with aliases, too, to some extent. I mean, one of the things I do is I'll put a, um, a saved smart search in, in How to Spot, which is what I use for, um, uh, is that for most how, of the searching. That sounds like a Dutch yeah, word. Is that how you say it? I've always it's, called it's it Who to it's, Spot. It's a, it's a Hindi word. Oh. Um, uh, the guy who does it, uh, Pierre Bernard, yeah. uh, is in Luxembourg. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's How to Spot. Um, and a howda is a seat on top of an elephant. So I guess huh. it gives you the best view possible. So what I do, it has, and there's a new edition. There's a new uh, um, 4.4.0 is coming out soon. I've been using the beta. It's very, it's a lot faster. It's really quite slick. Nice. Um, the uh, so so I'll have a saved search that I'll put in a folder. So if I've got a project folder. Um, say I'm writing an article or I'm just putting together an, uh, a graduate seminar uh, on the will, which is going to start up in a couple of weeks. And so I'm going through – I have thousands of PDFs of articles and books and so on. And I'm going through them, tagging them using this uh, reference software called Sente. People use papers um, uh, and various other things. And tagging those and then creating searches – uh, saved searches that I can then put in that project folder. Nice. So then when I'm looking at the project folder and I've got the syllabus and I've got various notes for lectures and so on, then I've also got something which is it's a window into the world that has um, all the all the PDFs of published articles and, and books and so on that that are relevant to that to that topic organized um, organized by by tags. Well the tricky thing with all of this is um, it's not all one system of tags, right? So we've got Mavericks tag or Finder tags, as they're called now, I guess, um, and that you know replaced uh, open meta tagging. Um, but if but the tags that I use in Sente, because that's because the beauty of Sente is that it's one package, which allows me to also access it on the iPad. So if I'm reading on the iPad, I've got the same structure of uh, um, of these quick tags that are used in in, in Sente. So I, I'm looking at the same structure there as on the Mac. Yeah. Uh, the, but the problem is they're they're keywords. They're not right. tags. The thing so, with that differentiation though is you can overcome it with like how to spot by creating searches that 
yeah. include both, uh, like both exactly uh, specifiers. And that I've spent a lot of time, like my pinboard tags, for example, are downloaded. Same thing. Everything I bookmark gets downloaded to my drive as a simple web loc file, and then it has finder tags applied to it, so that if I'm searching for a keyword, all of this stuff I bookmark bookmarked on pinboard is also available in that search. Right. But I mean, these are, you know, these are kludges, right? We're sort of finding oh, yeah. ways to, uh, to make something work that involves an extra step. Yes, it does. And, um, and I, I'm the guy that just looks at that as a problem to solve and not a reason to not tag. Uh, but there are very few people like me in that regard. It makes the, it makes the cost of entry higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think the biggest question on people's minds, and we've talked about it, I mean, over the course of this conversation already, is why do I want to tag? And right, that's like, the question. Yeah. right now, the, my book says that it's because, first and foremost, Apple's going to do away with your file system eventually. Your idea of you know yeah. deep, deeply nested hierarchical folders, Apple does not like. Apple's iCloud is a perfect example. And the way iOS works, perfect example. Folders are not intended to be nested four, four levels deep and folders are not shared between applications and tagging is and that's why i believe apple introduced tagging an operating system ago is because yep. they looked at this and said okay we need a new solution because we're moving to the we're moving in the direction that next originally kind of envisioned uh, separating the user from the file system and they're right, they're right. extrapolating that and tagging was the answer tagging is a pretty individual kind of thing You've got to get a system that works for the way in which you work. And, you know, for somebody who is trying to, is trying to have, you know, 75 files it, tagged with today, that's not going to work. I mean, for me, it's, you know, I'll have three meetings and a class. And for each of those, I'll have a handful of things. It's, it's something you can see on one screen. Right. Um, but and that's, that's kind of where Spotlight is useful because tagging becomes another criteria so you right. can take your first criteria as everything tagged with this tag add a criteria for everything tagged with that tag between these dates and then of the type pdf and you've narrowed it down exactly and i think that's the key thing also to keep in mind when people are wondering whether or not to bother with tagging um it's it's not either tags or folders Right, exactly. It's That's always going to be some point. kind of combination of these. I mean, I remember there was a. I think I think maybe it was just the episode when you were on um, Mac Power Users, and Katie Floyd was talking about saving all of her emails, or maybe it was in another context. And and, and David Sparks was saying, no, 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 that's crazy to save. I think sometimes if you have particularly important, like for for my student advisees, if there are emails in which I've had an exchange with them that's going to be something important, I'm not going to make tags for all of my individual students. Right. And I'm not going to be able to search through, you know, uh, emails that I've sent out to a whole bunch of uh, students, everyone in the class. Right. So for things like that, you pick it out and you put it in a folder, or you know, or maybe you give it some special tag uh, that helps that helps you find it. But it's it's finding this hybrid system um, that I think is is the solution. But it's also what makes it so hard to do because so, you really have to be thinking about these different levels. Right. Okay. So here's how here's how I'm dealing with that problem. And I've been doing this for years now and it has proven itself to work for me. And the scripts that I use to do this are available at my website. Um, but basically I use every file that needs to be 
sorted and remembered gets at least three tags, never more than five. And the first tag is always a context. Uh, it starts with a pound sign and it defines whether it's like an archive file, a project file, a work file, or a code thing, or like anything right. that is like a current project goes in code. And then that added, uh, you add with colon at the beginning, you add a uh, main project name, and then you can use colons in one tag, like after the main project name. So I can say colon marked colon marketing colon images. And that will, the the script will then take that, put it into projects in a folder called marked, and then build a subfolder structure or match an existing one based on the colon separated tags, which is an interesting point because Spotlight, if you create a tag colon mark colon marketing, you can search yep. marketing and that tag will be returned. If you put tag colon marketing, <coughs> Spotlight will find those and it lets you create a hierarchy of tags that are still interchangeable. I mean, it's a brilliant system, and it's you know a system that that only Brett Terpstra could have come up with and implemented and written all the scripts for. And that's, uh, that's so hats it, off though. to you. We but need I, we need a a system that's manageable because if you if you create something like that, it does become like you said extremely personal. Yeah. How do you apply that to a group or to enterprise, for example? You have to have rigid guidelines. Yeah, and that gets to be because you know even even just between three people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 everybody's got to be uh, following exactly the same, uh, the same guidelines. Right. And, and that it's gets not to even be just really syntax, yeah. like tagging yeah. on a personal basis, you tag things that you will remember. Like it's top of mind. Right. This is what this is related to in my life. Yeah. I just, I just think with collaboration, it's so, it's so risky because it's, 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 it's two things I want to say, um, about your um, just very amazing system. Uh, one is the issue of trust, um, and that gets to just this, this point you were, you were making with collaboration. You've got to trust uh, that when, you, when things are automated, uh, it's going to end up in the right places. When I'm, you know, if you want to have sort of explaining to people who are new to, to the Mac or don't, don't use computers all that much, um, I, I, I never use keyboard shortcuts. I've learned that the hard way. You've got to sh- do it with the mouse. You've got to show people where the drop-down menus are and what's happening and so on because that's fairly easy to follow in it. And it, for, for, you know, for power users, it may, be, it may be great to have some of this automation going on, but I would worry with that that um, you don't – if it's being filed away – I mean this is where people get you – know, so there are people who can – can trust Hazel and people who can't trust Hazel uh, with lots of automation and rules that are moving moving files around. And unless you really – and imagine this in a collaborative situation, right, where, okay, if I put this tag on something, then on everybody's computer, it's going to be moved into this other file. Right. It's going to be some renaming convention. And that's problematic. That's – yeah. It, that's, can the be, other, it, it can be yeah. really useful though. I mean if you yeah, have a rigid system and everyone understands how to tag a file – and then it on a like server on a main server it's filed appropriately you have yeah. that backup then of having it in a folder the way you've always been comfortable with yeah it's great when it works right the tricky thing is with all of these um, with all these things it's what you when you when you implement a policy like that imagine you did that with a group with a, you know a work group even if it's just a I've team done of it with three a work or four group. people right you have to be able you uh, you ascribe to other people the responsibility and the competence that they're going to be able to do this. Right. This is what this is what I refer to as an autonomy gap, right? Where people's decision-making abilities, we're, we're guessing 
when we um, when we, for example, uh, when people talk about uh, letting privatizing uh, um, uh, social security or turning people's sort of pe- social security or pension investments into something that they're deciding uh, on their own, if we were to adopt a policy like that in a given country. Uh, we're assuming that people are able to handle that responsibility. And sometimes they can, but it introduces uh, the potential for a gap between what you're expecting people are going to be able to do when you implement a policy and what they can do or what they want to bother to do or what they're going to do regularly and so, so on. Here's the thing, though. I have a friend who's a professor, and she gets all of her assignments submitted to her digitally. And there is a strict naming convention provided to the students uh, where they create a folder with you know a, a name that they're provided, a unique name, yeah. and then they they label their assignments with a, a given convention. And uh, out of out of fifty students, I think maybe thirty or forty of them actually get it right. Yeah, that's high. That's fairly high. I've got a text expander snippet that explains how I want people to send because <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll get I'll get thesis draft one. Right. You know, I have like, you know, 15 advisees who are writing theses and people <laughs> people will send me thesis draft one and I'm supposed to uh, fish that out of my, I mean, so I've got to do all the work. Then well, of- and see, that's, that's, and I'm helping this professor with an automation system that uses contextual clues, uh, like lo- a location, sender from, um, the original folder name, things like that to, and date to figure out what it should have been named, rename the files, and then uh, it's not it's not specifically a tagging system, but that kind of contextual clue, DevonThink does something where it actually analyzes and associates text in documents to create a tagging, a taxonomy for them. And then you can, it'll automatically correlate documents that you forgot were even there. And that is really handy and that is something that in order for a tagging system personal or enterprise to be truly useful there has to be some amount of not automation but suggestion even if it well, requires interaction that's the, that's the key difference right this is a huge issue in philosophy of technology whether or not you go for full automation where you try and replace the involvement of the user in making the final decision or whether it's more of an assistive system that's making suggestions or is offering a couple of choices or is narrowing down the options. And I think the assistive system is probably the more useful, especially in collaboration. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's the issue of trust and whether or not you can have that final check where you say, I've got this with the with the Sente software I use for I'm on a website. It automatically extracts the bibliographic reference information, like who the publisher is and the date and so on. And there's a setting where you can choose that it just automatically downloads it. You don't even have to check off on you know sign off on it, uh, and it just puts it away. And that goes really fast, especially if you drag five PDFs onto the system. It'll just process and you're done. But it it often enough doesn't get it exactly right. And so I turn that setting off. I want to be able to have the final check of, oh, no, this is, this is, this is categorizing it as a journal article, but it actually it's a chapter in a collection of uh, essays. But if you could make it smart enough to get it right, that's yeah. But see, this is this is the this is the this is the dream of the perfect technology. We can make it better, yeah. stronger, faster. Yeah, we can make yeah, but making it better is different from trying to get it to perfect, yeah. where you're you're sort of 
getting the user you're getting the user out of the uh, out of the equation. There are there are edge cases, of course, and, and probably a good number of edge cases. But in the vast circumstance, it is it's not hard to determine at least a certain set of tags. You need interaction to determine things that are of more personal relevance. But the basics of a filing tagging system, like automated, can be handled. I'm, I'm convinced of it. And we just got to figure out those edge cases. We, I mean, I'm like, seem to be the only person who's really focusing on this. Well, the um, other thing I was going to say, though, is there's this really smart guy who runs a website, Macademic, um, yeah. called Alachirp. And um, he, he said something that I think is one of the most brilliant things I've, I've, I've heard about tagging, which is he draws a distinction between reference uh, files and project files and projects he's putting in folders because those are something he's working on it sort of actively for a short period of time and then he's more or less done with it and he'll maybe some of the things that come out of the the, the project like the completed publication or uh, maybe some notes he'll he'll then tag those as reference items but then they move into the category of stuff that you're saving uh, as reference and that's and, where and the tagging is important right it's the difference between the one big pile which I've never agreed with, even in a tagging system, and the shallow folder hierarchy that is more uh, temporal. And that, uh, Dr. Bunsen, have you, you read that website too? Yeah. Um, he's been on the show, and he has very, uh, very good ideas in that area as well as um, in taxonomy creation, because that's the other big problem is to get consistent tagging and be able to find your file a year later is you have to plan ahead the taxonomy and you have to figure out, and it can shift over time, but you need to document what's going to be tagged. What like based on what criteria, even if you're not automating it. And that is, that's a huge task for the average user to sit down and say, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing over the next year. And here's how I want to categorize everything. Right. So it comes back to the same thing. I mean, uh, you can try and go for perfection, and you know, get endless fiddling with, okay, I'm going to have something that's like for once and for all, this is going to be um, what I have and then I can fully automate it on the base of that. I think it's really important to have some flexibility into these things because you're going to have, I mean, I mean that's the tension. And maybe, and maybe what's so fragile about, about tagging in a sense, um, but if there's a way to have it be more robust, that would be good. The challenge is you want to be able to have room for um, introducing new tags or deciding, you know, I've been using this tag. I need to replace it, uh, replace it throughout and reclassify and classify merge. some things. Merging is and huge. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I have scripts I, to do all of those things for me, but good. they're no, not okay. easily well, used yet. But that's the but that's but that's the key. That kind of that kind of flexibility, so it can be an organic thing that uh, that grows uh, and and adapts is important. This episode of Systematic is brought to you by Connected Data, makers of the Transporter personal cloud device. Transporter is a device for creating your own private cloud. Uh, you, you can use it to sync files and folders between Macs, PCs, and iOS devices and Android devices, and Transporter sync to other devices, meaning you can easily create an off-site backup solution with it. Unlike Dropbox, you can share folders from anywhere on your system instead of just inside a Dropbox folder. Uh, so like your documents and your music, your pictures, etc. You can share anything anywhere. And they even store versions now. Uh, every time a file changes, 
uh, about every minute it's going to save a, a new version of that file and you can restore older versions and it's totally private you control everyone who has access to your transporter and no data is stored on a server like Dropbox everything has to go up to the cloud with transporter you own the cloud you are the cloud if you erase a file locally all copies of it are erased with transporter you buy it once and there are no more recurring fees so listeners can save 20% off their purchase that's $20 off on transporter sync by using the code tired20 when you buy it filetransporterstore.com that's www.filetransporterstore.com and buyers using this code will also get free shipping all right well that previous conversation has probably been heavily cut by this point so we can stick to time but um <laughs> but let's get to the top three picks great um who goes first you go first number one Number one is Sugru. Uh, Sugru is moldable glue. It's um, it's now it's been it's been a kind of niche thing, and you had to mail order it from Ireland. But it is this amazing substance. It's like a putty or a clay. It comes in a little foil package, and it sticks to anything, and you can repair anything with it. It's just the most amazing substance. I'm looking at the website, and it comes with all these different colors. So like you I've can got rubberized it. things. You basically, yeah, it's moldable rubber, and so it comes out just feeling like like silly putty uh, or play-doh, and you can uh, you can blend them to get it just the right color. I've got, um, and then it's removable, right? So I've got my iPad has bumpers, um, little little corners put onto them so it also sits um you know just sits better in your in especially the ipod 3 had these very pointy corners that when you were holding it in your hand would sort of dig into your hand yeah. so just a little bit of rubber on that and it also um gives it some protection when you're just holding it in your hand it i had a um i had a dishwasher where the, the you know the little block of soap wouldn't come out it would even like get caught in the in the door. The door the, the trap door would open in the dishwasher when it was running, but the block of soap would stay stuck there. So I took a I took some of the sugru and I just filled in the cavity a bit more. And for three years the stuff stayed in there and it kept the block far enough forward that it would always fall out every time. So this stuff can take high temperatures. You can repair uh, you can you can repair mugs that you then can microwave with it. This stuff is just amazing. And the thing that's really cool is the website because people are coming up with all kinds of things for helping people with disabilities by adapting various uh, products. Lego, you can you can glue bits of Lego to it and then build all kinds of crazy. Just have a look at the website. It's, I, it's I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of ordering right now because I can think of three uses off the top of my head. This is amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that is, yeah. I think you've said everything that needs to be said. That is a must buy for me. Good. All right. So my number one, I know I wrote these down. Where to go? Okay. My number one, I cleaned my office yesterday, like all day. Uh, and it's still to the normal person would look like a hot mess. But to me, I, I, can, I have room to breathe now. And in the process, I found my old Shuttle Express. I used to do a lot of video editing and uh, and then I got into audio editing and it was always handy. And then I got out of doing both of those regularly and it got relegated to a back shelf. And I pulled it out yesterday um, and I I don't know, I've been I've been programming an Ergodox keyboard. Have you ever seen these? No. The Ergodox is 
you basically you buy a motherboard with a little Arduino Teensy controller on it and you buy the case and then you solder on all the keys and then it has multiple layers of uh, programmable keys that you can then toggle as if you or like with a function key, but you right. have up six or more of them. And, um, and you if, know, if you had more fingers, <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing is this keyboard has fewer keys than the average keyboard does. So you have to get creative. And in the process of doing this, I wanted more out of my shuttle express. So uh, my next pick is going to explain how I did this, but I basically made it. It has five buttons, a shuttle and a jog wheel on it. Uh, it's for like scrubbing through video and then performing right. five different keystrokes. And five wasn't enough for what I wanted to do. So I worked out how to set up chords. So if I hit one and three or one and five or four and five, it would do different things than either four or five would individually. Um, and that has made it fun for more than just video editing. Although I did put together an amazing set of, shuttle, uh, of screen flow commands for it, uh, which has made screencasting uh, better for me already. So the pick is actually Shuttle Express. Cool. Forget all that other stuff. <laughs> but it's embedded in that. Cool. Right. It's a $60, $60 toy that a lot of people could probably find very useful. And an endless source of distraction for you late at night. <sighs> yes. <laughs> I hate that about myself. Yeah. Well. I don't know when to stop. I do know. I just don't know how. All right. So what's your second pick? I'm going to go with How to Spot. Okay. Um, awesome. So uh, it's, um, I think it's just an extremely uh, slick and very useful way of turbocharging your uh, your searching, and with the ways in which you can make very tailored um, saved searches. It's got ways of setting up templates and so on, and saving those into, as I was mentioning before, your project folder. It gives you the kind of glue you need to to bring the tags together. Um, in a way that uh, I think works well for a lot of different workflows. And okay, so the only thing I I use How to Spot. I love How to Spot. I've met Pierre. Um, yeah, it's all it's great stuff. And you're right, it is for someone who relies on search more than filing. It's a must-have. The only thing that's ever bugged me is that it can't create smart folders that work outside of it. So you have to buy into using its Quick Search instead of Spotlight. Do you, do you find that yeah. to be frustrating at all? Uh, I haven't had that problem. And um, I don't know whether that's solved in I – mean, he rewrote it from the ground up for, it, uh, for the fourth. I think I've seen the beta, and I think that it hadn't been solved. And I talked to him about it once, and it's because yeah. of the extra things that How to Spot can do. It's not entirely based on the metadata query system that Spotlight uses. It actually has features that just don't work in smart folders. So he can make his yeah. own proprietary smart folder. Anyway, I totally agree with the. Uh, but um, I mean, the saved searches, the saved searches are smart folders, right? right. Yeah, in, within. So that, I mean, I use them. I use them as smart folders. Yeah, and that makes sense. It's just not native to Finder, which I try to ultimately. My my system depends on everything working without the app that it was made in. I don't like being locked into anything. So, and and a, and a smart folder is less important than having, you know, a document stuck in Evernote that I can only export as EML files uh, or not like XML or HTML. 
It gets messy, yeah. but but for anybody for anybody who's using something like Sente uh, or Papers for managing PDFs, you've got to use something like this because you've got to be able to mix keyword uh, and uh, and tags. But you can do that in Spotlight. Like who who how how does Spot yeah. how does Spot benefits from me both in speed and criteria that don't exist in Spotlight? But if you right. do a search in Spotlight that says tag colon marked keyword colon marked, and then, you know, whatever other uh, narrowing tags you want to use, it'll combine them all in the search. You can use right. or and and in a spotlight search, and it'll do Boolean matches and parentheses. You can actually make them really complex. Yeah, but you, I've got like, a, I've got probably a hundred keywords that I'm using in, in Sente. And trying to remember all of those is going to be, so this gives you the drop down. Uh, menu that you can scroll through to make sure you get the right one. Right. And that is, yes. Building systems on top of the default, I have no problem with. As long as ultimately I'm not trapping anything. And how to spot is not, it's not trapping anything. I love it. Good. All right. Your turn. Yes. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So the key chords that I made were done by an app called Carabiner, uh, formerly yeah. known as uh, MacBook... <laughs> Keyboard hack for MacBook or something like that. Right. A, a very unwieldy name. Um, and kind of scary name, yeah. Right. Been renamed to Carabiner, and it comes when you open it up. It's free app. It has hundreds. Carabiner with a K. Carabiner with a K, Correct. right? Correct. Uh, it has hundreds of presets that, like, out of the presets, I use one where if I hold down the S and D key at the same time, H, J, K, and L become Vim-style arrow keys in nice. any anywhere on the system. Doesn't even have to be. In a, it's actually keyboard level extension programming, and uh, so you can use that then to really affect any input device and what it does and what signals it's sending to the system, instead of just how it reacts to it, like you would with something like uh, uh, Keyboard Maestro or um, Better Touch Tool. Like those right. are good on the other side. This actually changes what you're inputting, and it has some extremely cool possibilities. But to get those extremely some... cool possibilities, you have to edit XML and understand his own kind of uh, sequencing. It, it, it's hard, but it's powerful. Yeah, amazing. I've 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 tinkered around with it. Um, I've plunged in and then backed off, and maybe I'll uh, get another running start with your encouragement and have a go at it. You just always have to remember that you did it because someday you'll be hitting a key. <laughs> And yeah, right. it won't do what you think it was going to do, and you won't know right. why. The trap you'll... door will open, and you'll fall through the right. floor. And you'll contact you the developer, and you'll give the developer a bug report, and they'll have no idea how that could happen, <laughs> and it will be your fault. Great. Okay. Number three. My last pick is a book, um, a digital book, Kourish Dini's Creating Flow with OmniFocus 2nd Edition. Uh now, I don't know if you – you use OmniFocus, right? Yep. And Kourish, uh is an extraordinary – I think of him as sort of the philosopher of, uh, of OmniFocus um, because it's a, it's, a, it's a long book. It's very detailed in some ways and it's a bit pricey. But what's really fascinating about the book is the way in which he's pushing the envelope on this idea of – not not home automation, but kind of self-automation. 
right? The way in which if you can set up these routines for yourself, set up these uh, reminders and these sequences in advance and get those uh, set up as habits, you can free up your mind to, to be focused on what you're doing. I have heard this book mentioned in multiple circles. I have not read it because I'm really bad at long, detailed books. Yeah, it's a deep dive. It's a deep dive, but it's it's also it's kind of like a therapy session as well, right? Because you're you know he's very sensitive to the ways in which um, the people can you know get frustrated with uh, systems, you know, like getting things done or or related systems, and he's just very uh, I don't know he provides really interesting, uh, clear, strong guidance, but he's also um, you know, very sort of open and gentle-minded about it. It's, it's. I, I think it's. I think it's really well done. How much is it? It's like fifty bucks. That's not so bad. No, it's it's nothing for a therapy session, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, no, it really is. I think it's it's. Uh, it when you when you if you're really getting serious about um, using a system like that, um, I, you know, it's uh, it pays to it pays to take it seriously. Nice. All right. So my last pick is related to our topic today, but is it's one of my own projects, which is weird, but I won't make any money off of saying this. So I feel it's ethical. Um, buy tag is um, it's a command line script that I wrote that parses the current directory from terminal into a, a text file with all of the tags for each file in brackets after the file name opens it up in a text editor, and then you can just edit the things between brackets, um, add and remove tags. Uh, like for me, you can have aliases. So for me, XX in that bracket uh, end, ends up tagging the file with pound, pound, X, pound, pound, and deleting it. Um, nice. So I can just in one swoop with copy-paste capability go through and edit all the tags in my downloads folder and have my filing system sort them. Um, wow. It makes life... There is no app right now that uh, lets you, not with finder tags, that lets you easily do that kind of rapid mass tagging. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend anyone getting into this who has the chops for Terminal, check out yeah. Vitag. I use it daily now. I'm also working on a way to make it more um, user-friendly to non-Terminal people, but that's probably going in, to go into the tags app instead of into be a, awesome. an unpaid yeah. project. I was I was hoping you were going to say that because yeah. I need to be a little bit further away from the metal to be able to use it. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my last pick. Excellent. And well, good luck with that. Hey, thank you. Cuz we're all waiting we're all waiting for that for uh for more solutions. People people are I'm working on uh I'm working with David Halter on um a successor to NVLT which is kind of high right. priority right now because I don't know how long NVLT is going to last and it gets over a thousand new downloads a week and we don't get paid for that. So right. it's, it's important monetarily and uh, to hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have depended on it for a long time. So that's top Inclu priority. Including, including me. And tagging is, it, tricky. I, well, see, and I, I have like financial obligations with that one. So it's equal priority. Right. And then I have a book, and then I have marked, and then I, I, I may never get anything finished. No, but I see them really coming together, right? I mean, if you've got an NVALT system, an NVALT system that that has a, um, a, 
tagging integrated into it a bit more. You've got tags um, re-released, and you've got the book um, telling people how to make the most out of it. Yeah, you've got a nice package. The you version can even bundle it. The version of NVult I'm running right now actually does uh, tokenize Finder tags and does a better job with them. But this won't be released because NVult is at end of life. Uh, meaning it will be updated. It will keep working for as long as we can make it work, but no new features. Feature right. freeze. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so you can be found on Twitter at Autonomy Gaps. You're starting your Twitter account over. Yeah. And uh, and then what's your website? The website is uh, uh, phil, P-H-I-L, dot U-U, dot N-L, slash Tildy Joel. That sounds like an old-fashioned Unix, like, like your gopher yeah. address. <laughs> that's why. That's why I. <laughs> that's why I mentioned the uh, uh, the Twitter account as well because that'll connect to the page. <laughs> nice. All right, yeah. and I am, of course, Brett Terpstra. I am at uh, TT Scuff everywhere, including Twitter, and you can find me at brettterpstra.com, and you can check out Vitag. There will be a link in the show notes. Um. And also check out Overtired with Christina Warren, where I have these kind of in-depth, uh, random conversations, but about nothing. Um, I don't know. It's so scattered. I love it. I have so much fun with that. All right. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it keeps me sane after after having rather uh, organized technical conversations on Systematic to just going to being the ADD freak that I am for a while. It sometimes it's good me. to let it sometimes it's good to let your hair down let your freak flag fly exactly all right well thanks great thanks talking for being to you here. um yep and uh thanks for listening everybody we'll see you in a week <laughs>